We're going to be starting at uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. I had a question this morning to think about as we go into these verses and as we look at as we look at these uh, these scriptures and at these stories from God's word. The question today is what are you investing in? That's the title. It's the title of the question today. What are you investing in? Uh, tell me tell me uh, tell me a couple things that you could invest into. Any thoughts on that this morning? Stocks, yeah, that would be nice. Anybody wants to invest any stocks for me, I'll take it. Right? I mean, that sounds nice. Anything else we could invest? That's a very common one, right? The Bitcoins. Bitcoins, yep. Got to be careful on that one, right? That's what they say. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Nice. I hope it works. That'd be great. That is another one, though. Anything else? What else could we invest in? Let me. Let me. Kids. Is that what you said? Very good. The mama of six says, I'm going to invest in kids, right? That's very good. I, and I was hoping that we would turn that direction, right? Because family is something that we can invest in. And a lot of us do, right? We invest a lot of resources into family. Anything else? What else could we invest? Time, right? That's what I, that's what I was thinking. When we're kind of starting out with the money direction, but time is more valuable than money most of the time. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't have time, you don't have, or sometimes you have money, but you don't have the time, or the other way around. Um, time is valuable. So the older I get, the more I realize how important it is and how valuable it is. So time, we can invest our time, right? What's something else? Along those same lines, so we've got, you, we said money, uh, time, what about, what about skills or talents, things that you can do? You could invest those, right? You could invest, uh, if you know how to do something, you could invest in teaching someone else how to do that. Or invest, and that kind of goes along with family and children, right? We typically invest that in our children. We teach them how to do things. And, and uh, so that's an, that's an investment, right, of, of things that we were taught maybe or things that we, we know how to do. Or maybe we weren't taught. Maybe we just figured it out the hard way. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> so we can invest time. Uh, ta- talents. Anything else comes to mind? Go invest in God's word. Yeah. Yep, uh, sounds good to me. So invest your. You could probably be looking at probably time there, right? Because you're putting the time into learning or studying God's word, or you could be investing the time in maybe reading it to someone else that ne- that can't read it on their own or that needs to hear it. Uh, maybe an elderly person or a, a younger person or whatever it might be. So you could invest time and kind of talent with that, but mostly time. We also could invest in ourselves through learning God's word more. That would be investing like we're making ourselves better, right? Because we're understanding God's word. Now this is going to take us right where we're going to go. Is this investing in ourselves? Is what we're talking about? What are you investing in? Is the question. And so as we think about this today, what are you investing in? You and you and you and you, all of you. What are the things that you're, you're putting your time, your money, all of those things, your, your talents, what are you investing into? Credit. Credit, yeah. Some people invest in credit, right, to, to build the, the credit. 
So what are we investing into? Now I'm, I'm, now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to start off right now and tell you this is not an investment class this morning. Because if we were going to talk, not, not a money investment class. If we were going to do that, maybe we'll do that some other day. But this is not because if we invest, now I'm not, I'm not here to tell us that we should not invest anything monetarily. But if what we are investing in uh, is, is typically going to control our actions, right? So if we're all in the stock market, or we're all in on something. It's going to affect our time. It's going to affect our, our money. It's going to affect everything. We're all in, right? And that's where we need to be careful that we're, those things uh, are not controlling us, the, the, the things that we're investing. And, and ultimately, I'm going to take this down to two directions today to help us to understand. Are we investing in, 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 the, in God, His Word, in the Spirit? I'm talking about us right here. What are we invested in? I'm not talking about, I'm not even talking about your money at this point. I'm talking about you. Now that might, someone might fringe things off of that, but you personally, what are you invested in? What are you bought into? And uh, is it in, in, in God and in His Holy Spirit and Him, all that goes along with that? Or is it in uh, uh, the things that we want, the flesh in our own selves, the things that make us feel good? What are you? Love and, faith. love and faith on the on the spirit side yeah. yes it could be yes increase so we're investing in love uh increase uh, hopefully you know wh- bit ways to allow god to increase our faith those would be ways we invest yes go ahead spiritual gifts, eternal, eternal spiritual gifts? yep can invest in that things that god has given us or maybe that we're trying to do better at good knowledge knowledge that's another one that we invest in knowledge. That goes along with learning, right? So we invest in ourselves with knowledge. Now now we get into the question of what type of knowledge are we looking at or how are we going to use that knowledge? There's people that invest in all kinds of things and they don't pan out very good. And that can be uh, mon- in a money, in, in, in knowledge. There's people that have, that have six, seven, eight years of college and they, they go work at the McDonald's because they can't get a job with it. And I'm not dissing anybody that works in McDonald's, but if you go to school for eight years, I mean, you can almost be a doctor. And they, you should be making... Anyway, my point is, is it, didn't, it doesn't... We can learn all kinds of things that don't have a, a benefit for us. Uh, and then, even if you were a doctor and you spent all the time learning doctor and you missed, you missed studying the, the wisdom of God's Word and what, what He would have us to understand about this life, then you done wasted it anyway. Or missed it. And so we see the question is today, what are we investing ourselves into? What are we investing in? Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, I need your help today as we look at this to to help me to say the words, but also for these that they would understand what you would have for them. I'm no uh, uh, stranger to the fact that you speak to many different hearts in many different ways. So all I'm asking for today is that your presence would be here to, to, to speak to each heart in an individual way, what they need, what we need today. Thank you for this opportunity to spend the next few moments looking at your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19 is where we're going to start. Excuse me. Start. Jesus is speaking in this entire chapter. Chapter 6 and verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Jesus starts uh, off by saying here, he says, don't, don't build your treasures down here. 
Because sure enough, the moths eat and the rust deteriorates. We could put in here pack rats get in and make nests and chew up wires uh, or whatever, right? They, they cause all kinds of trouble. Um, it says here, and uh, also where thieves break through and steal. We know that's true, right? Get a nice new set of tools and you leave it on the back of your truck. Sure enough, somebody else thinks they need them. The one that, the one that gets me is the hitch in the back. Because I don't like putting locks on it. And I, sure enough, come up missing. And, uh, um, but that's the thing. I'm glad I'm not living my life based on my hitch in the back of my truck. Or I would be, I would be, I would be terribly de- depressed and, and done with life because somebody stole my hitch, right? Um, and it, it can be pretty discouraging when it happens. But the point is, Jesus is saying that, that you, you could get a whole collection here. And the bugs, and the animals, and the weather, and the thieves will pretty much clean you out. Verse 20, but, I was going to tell us the flip side, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. So instead, Jesus says, instead of those things, let's lay up our treasures in heaven. Let's, uh, let's put some investments in that. Let's invest in uh, some things where the, the thieves don't steal it and where the bugs and the pack rats don't tear it up and rust. Verse 20. I'm sorry, 21. For, or because, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the key right here. Jesus says, where your, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. This is, like I said, this is the key. This is the picture right here. This is the problem with building up, a, with building up our everything right here. It's all about whatever. Our treasure here is because if we, so if we invest too heavily, if we invest everything here, guess where, guess where our heart is? here it's on that stuff this goes back to this worry discussion right if we're if we're heavily invested in the stock market and that's where our everything is you can be sure that we're going to be a little bit concerned about which way the stock market is turning or who's going to be president or whatever it might be because those things are going to have an effect on our everything and so we need to be careful in those areas jesus says instead lay up lay up your treasures in heaven um, let's see here, <clears throat> but I guess that let's, let's finish on 21 there. The flip side is, is that if your treasure is in heaven, then that's where your heart will be. Your heart will be on, on those things, on, on, on godly things, on heavenly things, on, on things that are pleasing to God. We'll talk about a few of what, uh, here in a minute, what those are. Verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Verse 24. No man can have two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We see here that uh, Jesus talks about this eye, or our eyes being the light, the, the place where, where light or darkness comes in. And it's this, I, I believe what he's, there's a couple different things we could look at here, but what he's, you know, in context to the scripture that we just read, if our heart, our everything is, is after this, that's what we're looking for. That's where, and, it, and it comes right into where our heart is. And he just told us that where our, where our treasure is, that's where our heart's going to be. And, and so he just simply takes it down and says, if we're looking after things that are of this world, things that are uh, you know, not of importance, our heart is going to be full of that. That's what we're going to be looking, looking to in the darkness there. Or if, we, if we're focused on investing in, in, in God and, and his, his goodness and what he can do for us, and what we can do for him and what he can do for the world around us, then that light shines through in our hearts. Um, then the last verse there, he says, you can't serve both. And I think this is the logical thing that comes up. They say, well, I want to sit on the fence and I want to, I want to, I want to, you know, go over here and I want to go over here. I want to be over this way, you know, live, live, get all the benefits over here, but I want to live on this side over here and do what I want to do. I want to fulfill all the desires that I have and I don't want to, you know, but yet I want God's blessing. I want to do what I want, but I want God's blessing. And so Jesus just simply says, he says, you can't, you can't do it. You can't serve two masters. You're either going to hate the one and love the other or love the one and despise the other. Mammon, I, that 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 word there. I just wanted to touch on that real quick. Uh, some of the that can be used a couple different ways. He says there because he says you can't serve God and Mammon. Typically, we would see that defined as as money, but it's not. It's not the money. It's the, it's the um, wealth. This is the definition: wealth that has that is an evil influence on us, and that that really kind of narrows it down because. It's, it's not that we have, you know, some money in the bank or we have some blessings. It's the evil influence that would be pushing us in different directions. So that wealth, the things that we have, would be pushing us in the wrong direction. The evil influence. Of, that's mammon. Um, another, another definition is just simply an evil. Some would use mammon as an evil demon or an evil uh, false god. And so it can be used in those ways. And, and simply Jesus is telling us you can't serve, you can't serve both. We can't. Things, uh, if we're investing in uh, the Spirit, in God's way, that would be in righteous things. Uh, the study of God's Word, prayer, uh, understanding, learning more on how how we can be the person that God wants us to be, so that it can, so that we can truly have a good effect on those around us. How can I be the person that God wants me to be, so that so that I can truly make a difference in my family? I want I want my children or my grandchildren or whoever it is to make it to heaven. God help me to be what I need to be, 
so that they can see the good example. And, and so that is one of the things that we can, we can invest in is truly understanding for ourselves. You know, there's a lot of people worried about everybody else. And they're not investing much time in themselves. On, on, in specifically in this area, right? It's easy to say, man, they should keep their mouth shut. Or man, they shouldn't have said that. Or they should have known better. Even our own children. Ah, they should have known better. But yet, what have, we, what have we done? When have we sat down and invested in being the person that would be a good example? So it's something to think about here. Something that, uh, that we should be investing in. I think, uh, as a classic example, growing up, now, not, you know, they would, it would be the picture of, of the dad talking to the little boy, right? And he's, he's, he's leaning up against the house and he's smoking a cigarette. And he's telling his boy, don't, don't, don't smoke. It doesn't, I mean, you can say it all day long, but if you're not fixing yourself, you're not investing in, in being that example to that little boy, history shows us that the results are not too good. We must be investing. I mean, this is, this is the question today. What are we investing in? We're talking about on the, on the good side now. Let's invest in ourselves in, in, in study of God's word, in time of prayer, hearing from God. A uh, uh, time of seeing how how God wants us to be, uh, and that would going along with that would be investing in time with uh, spending under good preaching and under study of God's word, and then also you know developing a time of daily time of spending time reading God's word or uh, spending time where we can hear from Him. I think the reading of God's word is important, but the more important part is that as we read in God's word and as we, as, we, as we find ourselves there, that we would be open to hear what God has for us. That's the, that's the thing, because you can read God's word and, and be so many things turning in your mind and, and maybe you're worried about or stressed out about that you, or maybe, who knows, to where you can't even hear when God is saying, hey, 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 I'm talking to you. And so I think that the important part uh, that goes right along with that reading is also uh, allowing God to speak through to us. And that would be pushing back of the noise, and pushing back of the distractions and saying, God, I, I don't care if I read one verse or, or five chapters. I just want to hear from you today. Speak to me. That, I'm talking to myself here. This is what I, I, I want to invest in. <clears throat> On the other side would be uh, uh, those that would invest in, in the, the lusts of the flesh or the things that, that feel good. And those basically are things that are God-given desires uh, that begin to rule us. So a, a lust of the flesh would be something that it's something it, it was intended to be good, but it now controls us. And examples of that, uh, it could be food, right? If uh, food is something, that, that's how God intended for us to, to live, is to, is to eat and to enjoy, not just to eat, but also to enjoy. But yet, we can be at the place where food controls us. And the Bible speaks against that. Uh, the, um, the, another, there's all kinds of them uh, that we could look at. Um, basic needs. For food, water, shelter, comfort, basic needs. 
And yet now it escalates to the point today it's controlling us. Those are what, those are what lusts are. And uh, all kinds of things would fall underneath of that. And so it's, it's a normal desire that is, gets skewed out because now we're abusing it. And the alcohol abuse, the drug abuse, uh, gluttony is the eating one. Uh, homosexuality falls under that. Adultery, fornication, all of those things that natural desires that God has, has given to us that get skewed out of place and become something that controls us and that we are now, what we've done is begin investing in something that we think makes us feel good or something that we think that ever, somebody else wants us to go that way. Or normally it's because that's what we feel like we want to do. We begin heavily investing in our what feels good and what we think. When instead, we should be investing in uh, the righteous, in the, in, in the spirit there. I want us to look just briefly at a, at a, I hope it's briefly this morning, at the story of Joseph. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guide you through this story because it covers several chapters. We're just going to bump through a few verses here, a few verses as we skip through. It starts in Genesis chapter 37. If you want to turn there, Genesis chapter 37. This is the, the story, if you remember, um, I don't know, if, I guess we don't need to remember. We're going to refresh our memory. Genesis chapter 37, um, Joseph was uh, second youngest. So there was one younger than him out of 12, I believe it was, 12, 12 boys. And there was also some girls there as well, but uh, 12 boys. And uh, he was, so he would have been number 11 on the boys, I, I believe is what it is. It tells us here, that uh, his father, Jacob, loved him more than his other brothers. Um, and this, one thing that the, that the Bible does, it shows us the good things that people did, and, and it doesn't typically hide the mistakes that they made. And if you look at this story, you can quickly figure out that that's probably a bad thing to do. Okay, It's not because, not because Jacob says, he had a favorite doesn't mean that you should have a favorite. You've got to be very careful in that. Um, uh, probably should not, I would not recommend it. So anyway, uh, Genesis chapter 37, verse 3 and 4. Now Israel, or Jacob as, as his name was, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Verse 4, and when his brothers or brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. I, I want us to take, as, as we think, as we look at different things that happened in, in Joseph's life, ultimately we're going to look at, at the choices he made, okay? Now Joseph could have done some, he could have done a couple different things here. Um, but ultimately what we see is we see it ends up being a very tough situation that doesn't appear to be a fault of his own. His dad was the one that caused it. Now there's division in the family. There's, oh man, just backbiting and gossip and trouble. And these guys were older. They had their own families. And yet they were, they were just no good, right? To the point they wouldn't even talk to him anymore. 
We're going to fast forward to chapter 39. Uh, I'm sorry, not quite yet. We're going to verse 20 of 37. I, I missed my note there. So further down in 37, we're going to verse 20. These guys, uh, Joseph was, was sent out. He uh, was a young man at this point. He was sent out to check on his brothers. They were shepherds. They were keeping the, the, the sheep had went, and they had taken the sheep to find grass way over. Imagine like maybe here towards Crown Point. They say it was like, I think in three days he looked for them, something like that. Far away to try to get more grass. And so Joseph is out there checking on them because his dad said, we haven't seen them in a while. We need to find these guys, your brothers. So he sent him out there. So he's, he's, he finally is finding them. And as he's walking up, this is where uh, we'd start reading here in verse 20. Uh, verse 19, they said uh, one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. So they recognized it was him coming. Verse 20, Come now, therefore, and let us slay him or kill him and cast him in some pit. I was going to pause right here. This, this, this thing had gotten way, way, way out of hand. Let's kill him. Throw him in a hole, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Verse 21, And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands, and said, Let us not kill him. So one Reuben said, Hey, let's, let's not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands and deliver him to his father again. So Reuben wanted to throw him in the pit, and then he was going to pull him out later and send him back to his dad. He had a good intent there. Although he probably should have just stood up to his brothers and said, hey, you guys are wrong. Verse 23, And it came to pass when Joseph was come to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. So that was the one that his dad made him. Verse 24, And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty, there was no water in it. Verse 25, And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. So they threw him in the pit, and they began to uh, sit down and eat lunch. And they looked way off, and there was a group back then, it was uh, they, these caravans of camels and sometimes donkeys that would that would move uh, these trade. They were traders. So they bought and sold. They'd buy something over here and sell it over here for more. And not just spices and coffee and salt, but they traded in camels and horses and, and animals and people. And so these brothers, they just about killed him. God's mercy that they didn't kill him. And he, he said, hey, all right, let's... They, they, uh, they realized that this group was going down towards Egypt. Verse 26, And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother or kill him and conceal his blood? This is interesting. I, I think this shows how hard this guy was. What, what kind of money benefit am I going to get if I kill my brother? That's what he said. He said, At least if I'm going to get rid of him, I ought to make something out of it. That's, that's, that's low. Okay? This is low. Verse 27, Come. Let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let us let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother in our flesh and his brethren were content. So they were said, you know what? That sounds good to us. They were all happy with the plan. 
Verse 28, Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. Once again, we don't see uh, we don't see a situation where Joseph brought this upon himself. Okay, this is this is him, man. Things things just went from bad to worse. Now they tried to kill him. Now they sold him. Becomes a slave and taken to Egypt, far away from home. Now I want you to think for a moment. If that um, in, in our mind, we could think if that had if that was to happen to us. Uh, that we would think, well, we would be tempted to think anyway, I have a reason to be angry. I have a reason to be uh, bitter. I have a reason uh, to be upset with God because He has put me into a family that is just trouble. His, his uh, away from His family as a slave in a far off land. Different, they take, in, you know, take his identity away and sell him as a slave. Now let's skip over to 39. See where Joseph finds himself. Um, I, I'm going to skip through this uh, chapter here of 39, but basically uh, this is where it picks up in Joseph, verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. So we see this is the guy that bought him. He uh, was a guy that was an officer for the Pharaoh or the king of Egypt. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he, pro- and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. I want us to see that that even this Egyptian, the captain of, of the army of the king of Egypt, recognized that God's blessing was upon this young man. He was making right choices. He was, he was still seeking to invest himself in right things. Now, the reason I, th- I think we're looking at this story is where there's an excuse. We could, we could say things were bad enough. He had an excuse. He shouldn't have turned out good, right? He should have went the wrong way. But yet, he maintained uh, uh, the right attitudes and the right investment in himself. He was still pleasing God. He was attempting to be where God put him in what we would call a horrible situation. He was still attempting to be the person that God wanted him to be. Four. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him and made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. Made him the boss man over everything in his house. And it came to pass from that time that he made him overseer of his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in his house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not what he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. God began to bless this to the point that the, the, the Potiphar, which is a captain, right? He didn't even know what he had. When they were planting food and harvesting and when they were buying and selling, Joseph was in charge of all of it. He didn't even know what he had. All he knew was is he had food to eat on his table and he was living the life. God was blessing. 
Verse 7, it came to pass after this, these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and, he said, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he committeth all that he hath to my hands. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I want you to see this, what happened. The man, the, the captain's wife, Potiphar's wife, comes and begins to, begins to uh, get eyes for him. And then goes beyond that, begins to try to get him to do things that he ought not to do. And this last verse that, he, that, he, that Joseph, uh, that we have here, verse 9, shows us where his heart was. He was still investing in, in the right things. His, his investment in, in, in God and what was right. He said, I cannot. He told her, he said, I can't do it. Because he said, I not. He didn't say because of Potiphar. He said, because of God. God says I shouldn't do it. And so we see character. We see a, a, a good quality. Someone that is invested in themselves in the right things and making right choices. If you skip down through here, she, she uh, ended up framing him. And if you go down to, let's see here, 14, 15. She began to cry in the house saying that he had done something to her and accused him. The boss man comes home. Um, let's see here. Verse 20, And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was in the prison. Verse 21, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The keeper of the prison was, uh, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. I mean, this, this situation got bad again for Joseph. He got framed for something he had no intent of doing. He had, he had tried to stay away from it, and he ended up getting framed for it and ended up in prison. But once again, we could say he has an excuse to... to he, could have, he could have done a lot. He had a lot of different choices at that point. He could have invested in what feels good, what feels good at the moment. He could have went along with Potiphar's wife. And by the way, if he had he, the story would not have ended the same way. But he held to, to the morals and to the, to the investment in what God wanted for him and what was right. He ends up in prison and the short story is, is that, that, that God, once again, this peeper of the prison realizes that God is with him. He gives him, he says, it says there that he didn't even know what was happening. The prisoners did whatever Joseph said. Can you imagine being the prisoner and you tell the prisoners what to do? But he's still in prison, right? But he was in charge of all of them. Wisdom that God had given this man as he began to invest in, 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 in right things. I am, let me see here. I got to hurry. It's getting cold in here. Um, a couple verses in chapter 41. 41 verse 39. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, 
Okay, by the way, so he, he ends up out of prison to, to talk to Pharaoh. And he, God helps him to be able to interpret a dream for Pharaoh. And I'm skipping a lot here, but it says, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee no man shall lift up his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zapnathpia and gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Verse 46, And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of the Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. This, this, again, just blows my mind. Here again, God, because Joseph was willing to make the right choices, it didn't keep him from having bad things happen. Things went sideways. Things went upside down. Things went difficult. His entire family had no clue if they were still alive. And yet now he finds himself, and by the way, if they were alive, he didn't know if he went back over there, they'd kill him. To quiet him up so they wouldn't tell him. You know, they didn't want dad to know. And yet he finds himself to the point that the king of Egypt puts him in second command and says, they're not even going to lift their hand, they're not even going to lift their foot unless you say so. All the way to the top. Now I want you to think about this. Think about the, the opportunity to have bitterness or anger, to be upset with the brothers. At this point now he can get revenge. I want us to read just a few more verses, chapter 45. I want us to see how this ends. Chapter 45, verse 5. 45, verse 5. Now therefore, now his brothers have come over to buy food from Egypt. He's recognized his brothers, skipping a whole bunch here again. Now therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves. Chapter 45, verse 5. This is, he's told his brothers. They didn't recognize him. He's 30 years old. This is probably 12 to 15 years later. He spent time as a slave. He spent time as a prisoner. And now he spent some time, two or three years, two years I believe it is, as second in command to the king. They don't recognize him. And he tells them, I'm Joseph. Can you imagine being those brothers, finding out that the guy that you just sold and almost killed is now in charge? And he, this is his answer to them that we're going to read. Verse 5. Now therefore be not grieved, or don't be sad, don't, nor angry with yourselves. I want you to soak up the, the forgiveness and the love that is coming out of this guy. Now therefore be not grieved or angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and there is yet five years. 
in the which there shall be neither earing nor harvest. Verse 7, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. Verse 8, So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, then Lord to, of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. You see the end result of someone that invested in the right things, that sought to understand what it was that God wanted him to be, how God wanted him to respond in situations. We get all the way down to this point and we see that he doesn't even hold it against them. He says, you guys didn't even sell me over here. He said, God was the one that was moving the pieces and allowed me to be here so that now we can save your life and your dad's life. And he says that at the end, he says, God's taking care of me. He said, I have a family. I have, I have the things that I need now, and I've been sent here to take care of you. And I'm sorry, this is very kind of long, but as, I, as, I, as we look at this story, I want us to see the example of what God has given to us of someone that invested in the right things. They invested in that study of what God wanted for them. That study of, of praying and asking God for help in the situations of being a good example. And yet I don't think we can argue that he was not. Every single person that he touched their lives, they knew that God was helping him. And we see the difference that it made in his life. God was able to use him to ultimately help the family. He wouldn't have been able to if he'd have been bitter or angry or out for revenge or if he'd given in to what feels good. Instead, he began to invest in what does God want for me. So I want to just challenge each one of us today as we go forward. What are you investing in? I hope that it's treasures in heaven. Invest in things that, that will change your life here that will have an impact on those around you and that will make a difference for years and decades and centuries to come. Not just on because it feels good, I'm going I'm to take part in this little bit of whatever. And a few years later, we're wasted. Lord, help us today to invest our treasures in heavenly things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word once again that uh, has spoken to us for your presence here. We're asking that you would make it real to our hearts and our lives, that we would understand the direction that you'd have us to go, what it truly means to be invested in heavenly things, to push back the things that would just be frivolous or lusts of this of our body, but that we would be uh, focused on things that would be pleasing to you, things that would make a difference. We love you today. Thank you again for all you've done. You go with us as we go our separate ways. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.